Welcome back to the Jarsy Project. I haven't done one of these podcasts in ages, but today I have an awesome guest, uh, someone I haven't actually seen in person for a long, long time, and we occasionally chat up on catch up on socials. Uh, Tom Henry, um, and me and Tom met through you guessed it, yes, CrossFit shocker, another another person I've met through the CrossFit world. Um, but Tom uh, very kindly welcomed me with open arms into CrossFit. Was the level one coach when I met him. So it was, sorry, was seminar staff teaching the level one and introduced me to some other wicked seminar staff. I did my level one and the rest is history, hence how I got coaching. So Tom, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for doing this, mate. It's really nice to see your, your face again. Yeah. Thanks for having me, mate. You're very welcome. So, um, we were just classic, classic kind of before you do a podcast, especially on video, kind of catching up a little bit. And then started talking about some stuff and I was like checking with Tom, seeing how he was doing. It's like, we should probably press record because I think we're about to start delving into some of the things we want to talk about. Um, this podcast is all about like uh, passion projects and like, I don't know, since I've ever known you, we always kind of connected on sort of our, our passions. It w- was always quite cool talking to you and kind of sharing ideas. Uh, distinctly remember, I actually saw Mario the other day and we were talking about Land and Wave and I distinctly remember going to Land and Wave with you and we are kind of ch- yeah. chatting over some chips and, and sharing some ideas. So Today, I just kind of wanted to talk to you about some of your thoughts and we were starting to talk about CrossFit and psychology and things like that. And I think, again, feel free to correct me, but one of your passion projects certainly seems to be around like people and how they think and and, and how that connects to how they move and, and, and CrossFit was a bit of a gateway into that for you. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think when I, I had a couple of couple of challenging clients, I guess, uh, which were gifts really because one of my first clients, he he was interesting. He, he was a, a referral from a doctor. Um, okay. He was a couple of years older than me, and doctor basically said, "Look, you're you're not going to live and live to see thirty. You know the way you're going." And he was a oh, wow. programmer, but he like he didn't sleep at all. He had an appalling diet, and his body was just falling apart. So I was working as a PT in. Kensington at the time. This is just straight after I left the Marines, and I, uh, I think I started. I, I started CrossFit pretty, pretty much as soon as I joined the gym. I, I had a friend there that um, took me under his wing. He was an ex-army guy, and we just started training together. And then nice. we did our level one together in London in June that year. And then I started to use some of that stuff for my clients. But he was a really difficult cat. And to start off, he wouldn't, he wouldn't go off of any machines. So he, he would have to be on, it could be a cable machine, but it had to be a machine. It had to be connected to something. So Interesting. Uh, we just did the kind of, you know, typical hypertrophy stuff that you were seeing, um, on your, on your fitness instructor level two course or whatever. And then I started to kind of superset the two together and then, we would go from, okay, the, um, whatever machine to rowing or to the treadmill or something like that, just to get his heart rate up a little bit and mix the two. And then one day I felt like, uh, right, I think I've fooled him enough. <laughs> and that was probably me being naive at the time. Um, and I basically had, there were these functional cable machines that allowed you to move around. They're, pre- they're pretty ubiquitous in, in gyms mm. now but they were, they were, um, new at the time. And, um, I just got a, uh, you know, like the old body pump bars and I threaded it through the handles and the, the cables went straight up and down 
And I said, okay, so here's the task. I want you to stand up with this bar and I want you to take it down to your shins without the cables wobbling. They have to travel straight. So, you know, he pushes his hips back and keeps the bar close to his legs and waits until his bo- waits until the bar gets past his knees and then he bends his knees and then he stands back up again. I'm like, perfect. I didn't say, you know, what he's doing or whatever. I just let him do the, do the things. And then, yeah, next session we introduced that with the barbell because that's essentially what he was doing. He was doing a deadlift. And that, that became his favorite movement from then on. And got, oh, sick. I got a crazy PB. I think he... Might, he might deadlift 200 kilos or something like that. It was like 150, 200 kilos. It was savagely strong by the, by the end of our journey. But he ended up, he had some real stuff going on and a lot of our sessions would end up moving to the coffee shop and stuff like that, which is, which is pretty common in PT world when, you're, when you've been with clients for a while. But it was different with him. He talks to me about stuff that I felt it was out, outside of my scope, you know, Mm. Um, and he followed he followed me from Kensington over to East London when I st- uh, was working at CrossFit London full time, and uh, yeah, kind of yeah, we we had a really good sort of connection, and I guess from from that I just realised that I I didn't have the right tools for what the the actual job was as a personal trainer. You know, um, there is you know they clients they want those physical results but what i found from my clients that the majority of them were were coming for the the chance to interact and and kind of figure out stuff that's going on in their life um whether that was consciously or unconsciously but that was the conversations we were having so yeah that kind of got me more interested and then i decided to go into the actual study of it to get some more tools under my under my belt Nice. You mentioned tools. Like what, what kind of tools do you think, are, you know, it's really interesting because you see there's so many different avenues into fitness. And then I, I kind of personally always think that the fitness industry has a real role to play in, in just overall health. Um, and that, you know, maybe not, maybe can, maybe won't dive into like kind of like the healthcare system and where that plays a role. But I've always seen there's quite a lot of power that can happen within the four walls of any gym. Mm. Like what are some of the tools that you think actually the modern day coach kind of needs or what are the things that you kind of wish you had that you have now or, you know, is, is there anything around that that you, you've got thoughts on? Yeah, I suppose as a um, tools, as a coach, I think these are our, these are our, probably the most powerful things that we've, that we've got at our disposal, to be honest, um, from, you know, from personal stuff, which I was actually was listening to, um, I'm, I'm listening to the body keeps the score at the minute. Oh, um, nice. Um, anyone, anyone who di- isn't, uh, watching by the way, Tom pointed at his ears. Yeah. So the body keeps the score and it, it mentioned, Oh no, it was, I am listening to that, but it was from a podcast and she said that anyone that's involved in research has got their stuff going on. So it's not research, it's me search, you know, mm. the actual, the actual projects that they're interested in doing, they're interested in doing them because they can relate to them. Yeah. Um, I like that term me search. That's a, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely a self experimenter. Like everything I, I yeah, know I is because I've tried to fix something for myself. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that's, that's the kind of joke in psychology. Um, 
study in academia. You know, everyone who studies yeah. psychology is uh, uh, maybe a little, <laughs> has got their own <laughs> stuff going on. My sister actually did her, her degree a couple of years before me and then did her clinical master's before me. And um, that was the kind of the, the, the joke that she sent down the line. She was like, you know, just, um, so yeah, I think that's, that's probably the, the one that I've come to, to understand as being listening, um, being one of the most powerful things that we have because we, we all have a need to be seen, heard, loved. Um, and it seems like there's, with the traffic of all the input um, that we've got now and the, you know, with social media and the, the soapbox that's available for everyone to be seen um, mm. might not have been seen in other situations now can be. And so it leaves this whole group of people that has remain unseen and wonder why these other people that seem to have no skills other than dubbing over on TikTok or whatever have now got this platform to, to go from. Um, anyway, rabbit hole. I'll do, I might do that a couple of times. But yeah. It's all good. I love a rabbit hole. <laughs> definitely um, just listening to, to people's, to, to, to the next thing that people have to say. You know, I, I remember um, posting um, something on my story and you you commented on it. I think it was a rich roll, um, little tidbit about he was talking about listening and it seems to be coming up on at least my my channels, my, my little feed uh, a little bit more. I know that Jordan Peterson talks about it a lot as well. Um, yeah, so that would be that would be the, the, the kind of first thing, I guess. And then I suppose what, what that does is, is that allows us to, when, when we actually listen to people in a way that we are trying to understand them through what they're saying, that is, I think, the first step that we have towards becoming compassionate to what they're saying. You know, we can't, we might not be able to relate wholeheartedly. We might not be able to empathize, but we can at least try to move towards where they are. Like, and that's that where that saying comes from, right? Like meet, meet people where they're at. Mm. You have to listen to or, or try and gain a perspective of where they are so that you can best help them to guide them from where they are to where they want to go. If you're this PT that's just working from a place of, um, I know where you need to go. It's right over here. Come to me. You, you're never going to get anywhere with your clients. That's not how behavior change works. You need to go. Yeah. You need to go to them and then slowly bring them this way as the, as they're, you know, we say this on the, on the level ones. I don't know if you can recall, but, um, the client's physiological and psychological tolerance, that's pretty much what dictates threshold training. Yeah. You can put that pedal down a little more, um, and you and you take take your foot off the pedal as and when the, the client's physiological and psychological um, tolerance says says stop. You know. So, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I think it's really interesting when you're talking about listening and um, meeting different perspectives. Like a couple of things sprung to mind. I started listening to the Rick Rubin podcast with Joe Rogan. 
mm. I'm slightly off topic, but it, but it, but there's something that just clicked with me was like they were talking about different sounds. Like a new artist came out, like when NWA came out, no one had ever heard it before. And sometimes when you listen to a new artist, you were like, oh, I don't know if I like this. Mm. And then you had to like learn to. You, you kind of after a few lessons, you're like, it was just so new and so experimental. You'd never, you never really understood, like understood what it was and then you start to like it and love it and and you know some of those artists are talking about kind of like household names now and some of the music like hip-hop for instance was just so shunned by the mass and now it's such a big part of our culture um i it almost the same with other people like people have such different experiences that sometimes i think we you know we can't hear them because we've never heard that type of voice or that type of tone or those sorts of feelings or emotions before that we're like ah oh, can't really deal with that um and you have to sit with it and 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 try and take the person your own stuff out of it which is really challenging and, and i personally have kind of fell into the trap of well this is how we do you know functional fitness we'll do functional fitness this way you obviously want to go here because that's why you're here and you know, you do as a young coach or, 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 or a new coach sometimes fall into like your tropes, like you're this person, you're that person, right? I'm going to help you get to there. And actually it's more, I've always found it's a bit more invested, invest, I'm not going to be able to say this word now. Invest- you're a bit more of an investigator than, yeah. than a lot of the times, like you're trying to find out, like you say, get from them more than maybe they know what they want to give over. Um, and what are your thoughts on, because one of the other things that I, I want to talk about is, is, is a bit around mental health. Like I've certainly struggled with it. I haven't really talked too much openly about some of that stuff. I've kind of del- started to delve more into it. And it seems to be a, a common, like you talk about listening being a common thread. I've sort of seen that mental health and especially mental health um, is, a, is a big common thread, especially for, for guys. There's a bit of like, a, I, I don't know about you, but I feel like there's a bit of a, like someone's chucked men's mental health up in the air and we're slowly trying to like pick pieces out and be like, what is a modern ma- man? What is, how should we be thinking? Like what's our mental health status? And I, I, I you know, there was an amazing thing with Paddy Pimlet recently where he talked about um, just talking, but I feel like there's a, there's a lot of men that don't have the tools to, when someone does open up to them to be able to be like, Oh, what do I do with this all of a sudden? Um, and I've even had that with, other coaches like share with me, like, I didn't really know what to do in that situation. I've certainly felt like that, um, in, in certain aspects. Um, have you got any thoughts on like, yeah, that more so? Yeah, I have. I mean, that's a, it's a massive, yeah, it's a massive topic. Like, and it's, and it's becoming, it's, it's, it's turned into a bit of a monster really, I guess like this. this yeah. Yeah. It seems to be a, a bit of a, a, a topic that's going around on the, on the circles at the minute toxic masculinity um uh when i did my undergrad um we did a, a really interesting m- module with a guy in f- for health psychology um and it was we had to write an essay on hegemonic masculinity which is like the you know the you know what we would see as a culture as masculinity and like kind of, you know, define what that is and why, you know, why these things. And it was the first time it kind of gets you thinking about it because you're like, Oh, this is a construct. Mm. We made this up. That's it. That's that. And people have different perspectives. You know, if you're from a different culture, you know, your view on masculinity is way different to a Western culture and, and so on and so forth. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's, I was talking to a friend about this uh, a few months ago, you know, the, the whole, uh, it's, it's not weak to speak thing. And he had an argument that, um, 
to a certain point, it is, there's a time and a place for it. You know, if you're, if you're a person of rank, for example, or you've got a position in the hierarchy and you talk and you speak to people that are under you in the, in the hierarchy, then that's going to disrupt that, um, that leadership flow. You know, mm. that, that, that's the, that's his perception of it. Right. And I can, and I can see that. Like I come from, I come, I come from the military. I understand that. But I also remember from, from the military, especially the, 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 the group that I was in, in the Royal Marines, it, once you get out of training, it's way more relaxed. It's all first name terms. You go out on the, you go out on the piss with your, your corporals, your sergeants, um, even your sergeant majors, you know. And, you know, you have a beer with them and, you know, you have a chat and, uh, there's, you, you throw banter around and there's definitely, there's definitely points when guys cross the line, but for the most part, you know, you can, you know, dig them out a little bit and they'll dig you out. And it's kind of, um, there's an understanding there that this is, this is what's happening in this, in this social situation. But when we mm-hmm. get back on camp or when we, you know, go out into the field and stuff, it's, so it's, you know, Dave, the sergeant, you know, Johnny, the corporal, you know, there's, we know our place and you don't, you don't step outside that place. And the conversations that I've been having, which is what's really interesting in the last few years, I've been having some interesting conversations with people that I was in the Marines with or, or people that were in the Marines during the same time. And the interest that people have on this very subject um, and the the need that they have to kind of normalize it, you know, because, you know, I don't want to put us on too much of a pedestal. Obviously you've got the, the parachute regiment, you've got um, above, above us, you'd have the special forces, SBS, SAS, and then some of the, the support groups kind of in there as well. But for, for the, for the most part, you know, you'd be seeing that kind of, the, the, the pinnacle of um, the British Armed Forces group, you know, and and your and during training that you're they put you up on that pedestal to give you the confidence and everything like that. So there's this there's this whole persona that gets built up that you've got your shit together, you know what I mean? And right. it's there's nothing that you can't handle. And, and I know that this is the case across the board as well. And like, um, I've got a friend in uh, the US, uh, Sarah Wilkinson, shout out. Her husband um, took his own life a few years ago. Oh, uh, man. Um, it made so it for a bunch of years, you know. Um, and there's, there's so much pressure on having your, having your shit squared away. Yeah, I was going to say, like, that sounds like a big rucksack or jacket of pressure to like carry around with you every Absolutely. day. Absolutely. And then there's, there's no, there's no room for the only room or, or one of the common is to, you know, get on the piss and, you know, let it out that mm. way with, with your mates, which has a place in my, in my opinion, you know, as, and they definitely provided that, um, I don't know if you used to call it, but like, you know, um, you know, call the jets, you know, Friday night, whatever it's just you know go to the pub with your mates and call the jets it would be a way to kind of um, defrag after the week you know and talk about stuff use the alcohol as a you know social lubricant to you know to speak about stuff and 
I had some awesome chats with, with mates when I was in the Marines, especially on weekends where most of the group had gone away and the camp orphans would stay on camp, you know? Um, yeah. So I think, I think, I think there is a, there's, I think there's a lack of, there's a lack of definition around what is, what is a, a healthy, um, image or characteristics of masculinity, you know, like what, what is that thing that we want to kind of, um, be searching for, um, Stefanos, what's Stefanos's surname? Um, I'll find, I'll find it. I'll find his tag for you. I've, I've shared it a few, I've shared him in a few, few of my stories and posts. I've been following him for a few months. Uh, he, he's a relationship coach. He comes from a bit of a background similar to CrossFit and he, he puts out some really interesting stuff on masculinity and he, he talks about, um, I think it's four, um, characteristics, um, uh, connection, strength, could be okay they're they're two that call out um i think humility might be in there or something like that but he's got like kind of these four pillars that he pulls upon that help to define what we want to be as as men and as mass in not in a not in that toxic way where it's mat you know overly macho because macho actually does have like there's there's a part of that machoism that serves a purpose, right? Mm. When, when the, when the Nazis are knocking at the door, that machoism providing that it is from a base of genuine confidence and not uh, false bravado that does provide a purpose, right? It's like, yeah. right, you know, let's gear up and let's make this happen. But at the same time, we've got to have the ability to connect. We've got to have the ability to, to work with a group of men to, you know what I mean? So you can't have this, you know, this cockfight the whole time. You've got to be able to work as a group. Yeah. And then on the other connection side, you've got to be, be able to be soft to relate to um, your, your partner, right. And, and your children and be able to and be able to f- uh, allow your children. And that's what I'm learning most of all in the job that I'm doing now to, to make mistakes and, you know, um, not berate them for, for making mistakes in the process. So yeah, 100%. yeah it's, it's a, it's a big, I think that is a huge conversation. And yeah, definitely. Know, I mean, I, have you read kind of pull it apart? We're trying to piece it together. You know, what's, what's, what's right, what's wrong, you know, um, what's socially correct, what's actually needed. Yeah. yeah. It's, and it, I mean, there's so many of us and so many different types of us, you know, like whatever profiling tool, there's so many now that you can use just to get in on understanding. Like I like Myers-Briggs. I know it kind of gets a bit slammed by some parts of the the um, community when it comes to that kind of stuff. But like, I, I just like the fact that it opens the conversation to be like, oh, actually I have a set of like behaviors that are, are going to be different from yours. And I see the world in a different way. And it's just a really nice way to kind of, start appreciating that I think a bit more because you do like I, I've met so many people that think completely different to me I'm like I don't even know how you how you got there but mm-hmm. I'm I'm and as I got older and more mature I was like but I'm intrigued and I want to know more um and so I can see the world through your eyes and yeah. there's a book I read that really from a masculinity point of view like I had a few people 
like virtual mentors, I like to call them people I look up to in kind of health and wellness that recommended this book. And I read it. I don't know if you have. It's called uh, uh, Warrior King Magician Lover or King Warrior Magician Lover. Okay. I forget exactly yeah. the order. Uh, is this what Tony, Tony Robbins speaks to? Uh, it might be. Um, it's for... Yeah. Yeah, it's four archetypes that you have, like a uh, uh, kind of the 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 mass the um, mature and the and the and the shadow or the mature and the child childish kind of version. I think they talk about it in the book. Yeah, but like the warrior speaks to kind of like what you were saying. Like sometimes we do need to be a warrior. We need to, uh, you know, have boundaries and fight back and 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 do it at the right times. But if you're always a warrior, then you're going to be like picking fights wherever it is. And then the king kind of looks after his, like his people. The 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 shadow of that is like the little Lord Fontaroy who's kind of ch- constantly chucking his toys out of his pram when he doesn't get what he wants. And then you've got like the magician and the lover and uh, the magician's kind of like a bit more connected to the spiritual side of, of life. And then the lover, obviously, you know, be caring versus, versus need kind of stuff. But it's, it's interesting because I mean that, that for me, again, like you say, kind of four pillars or, or, or at least kind of tenants that you can kind of look to and be like, okay, this is the, this is, I don't want to say positive because that's not, not right, but this is the, uh, the way that we want to envisage that as, as, as guys. And this is the way, the way that we maybe want to be yeah. mindful of that, that isn't so cool. I think we can, I think we can, I can, I think we can say positive, you know, like, um, it's traveling in a positive direction, right? It's traveling in a mm. healthier direction. Um, yeah, I think healthy is maybe a nicer way of putting it. I sometimes think if you, if you put positive and negative connotations on things, it can kind of be a bit like, I don't know, can feel like you're setting boundaries, too rigid a boundary that stuff that's kind of fluid. But that's just my own shit, yeah, I think. Yeah, probably. no, yeah. <laughs> it's a tricky one, right? Like, um, you know, there's so much uh, PC, political correctness, woke stuff, you know, that we're trying to navigate now um, mm. and still just just speak speak truthfully, you know, speak candidly about about stuff we're trying to skirt around the edges to protect people's feelings and stuff like that and I, I really one of the I think one of the people that I've kind of learned most from in the last few years is probably Jordan Peterson mm. um you know like he gets a lot of flack that guy <laughs> he does right he does because he speaks because he speaks without I mean I think there's also and that's why it's important to spread your um, your your inputs wherever you get that from, whether it's social media or you still subscribe to feeds or whatever. Because yeah, there is going too far with everyone, and that's what mm. differentiates people. Because they'll have their agenda, and then they'll have their agenda on the end yeah. end of it, you know. But he, I think just like his books, I listened to him on, on Joe Rogan, like many people first that kind of got that first, first foot in the door. Cause it's like, Oh, this guy's a bit different. And then a flatmate had his book and then I read it after him. And it was just, just the fact that he had some 12 rules. So they were guidelines of just how yeah. to live a meaningful life. And I didn't, I, I went to a, um, a church of England, like Baptist primary, like a preschool and then a primary school up until maybe seven or eight years old. But then it was, you know, I was wherever from that. So I didn't come from a super religious background with, and that's what I think religion does do. You know, it does provide us with, you know, some guiding principles for how to live a good, like how to live a good life. 
Um, so that was my, that was a bit of a re a reminder, I guess, though reading those 12 rules and it took a couple of, you know, to actually get to the core of what he was saying. And I think a lot of people, one of the first things I ask people is when they, when they, you know, uh, say, oh, you know, John Pete's and blah, 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 as I, I'll ask them if they've read his books or read his book and they're like, no, well, you've, you've taken the, the top of what you've mm-hmm. heard from a 60 second reel on Instagram or even, even a podcast. It's still not enough. Like the, yeah. the, the content in his books takes like really chewing through and the way that he goes back and forward and back and forward to, to, to develop this picture of what he's trying to say. And then he'll yeah, it's a round, lot. round he's, off he's, with a, a sentence, sentence rule, you know, but if yeah. those rules just firsthand, you've taken it out of context. Mm. He's, he's, uh, that, that book is, is a read. You have to really like, like there are varying degrees of read. Sometimes you even, even some, some heavy stuff can be written in a way that it's actually quite digestible, but he's like, it's almost work. Like you have to put in the work to finish that book. It's yeah. not a, you can't just be like, I'm just going to consume this. And I think that's really hard for a lot of people with Jordan Peterson. It doesn't make it easy for you. He's going to make you think and he's going to, you're going to have to take time with it. And it's, it's, it's like a, it's an endeavor rather than just being like, oh, I'm just going to read this book. I'm going to gain, gain the lessons. I mean, you even see it a little bit with now where there are apps that condense just here are the cliff notes for all the books. And I love that in a sense, because it gives people a gateway to kind of like learn stuff that, that perhaps is, it takes a bit of a barrier to entry. But I'm also old school CrossFit. And I sometimes, I mean, I find that I'm, I'm conflicting my personality a lot of the times. Like I often be like, this is how I think. And then I do something that pr- completely disproves that. But like, I'm a bit old school CrossFit in the sense that I think one of the beauties and things that I really resonate with me is it's like, you actually have to put in effort. And if you don't put in effort, you don't really get to where, where you want to go. And I kind of think that is life and it's hard to do. Like I don't do it in all areas of my life. Absolutely not. Like I still struggle in certain as- aspects, but it's something that resonated with me. It was like, oh, I actually have to sit down and I'm having to, I'm, I'm, I'm having to give something to get something here. I'm not just going to be able to like absorb this. And, and it, it's, it's challenging. I think that's why he div- like perhaps causes so much contro- controversy is apart from the fact that obviously, like you said, he's quite, <laughs> he doesn't mince his words. He's like quite direct in a lot of his, his, his thinking, but yeah, he, it takes a bit of, takes a bit of time to really kind of understand what he's trying to say. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's a lot to that, you know, um, going through the, uh, I observe, I, I really enjoy, um, observing older people. Um, I had just today, there was a guy in the office who it was his birthday and I snuck past his door and said, Oh, happy birthday. Uh, we're one week apart. And, and he's, he laughed because I said, what's your number? He said, 63. Yours? 34. And then, and then I just, and then a couple of people kind of gathered around and he, he wasn't in a rush to get, he was telling me this story about his son and how his son is away in Vietnam, uh, fixing sailboat sails. And okay. so then he goes on this, this story, right? And I'm like, I've got to get back to work, <laughs> John, you know, like, let's wrap this up. But he's not going anywhere. He's not in a rush. And I think that's something that we've, 
we've kind of, yeah. oh, no, that's, that's what gave me the clue that he, like, we're not going anywhere quickly. He wanted to show, show me what his son is up to on Facebook. So he gets his phone and instead of searching, you know, just search name, he goes onto his phone and then scrolls the feed <laughs> as if to like, until we get to a post that his son has put on. Yeah, yeah. It'll be one of these It'll at some point soon. Oh, oh, my God. If we wait for this thing to load, we could be here all day. Um, so that was, and I thought about that. It's like, that's really interesting um, how I think our, our generation – down um have because of technology and everything like that there is um a bit of uh i don't know a bit of expectation for things to you know happen at a certain time go our way or that you know a bit of entitlement you know whether we like to admit it or not just through no fault of our own, but just through culture. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, that is, that is one of the more obvious things that I see compared to even people in their forties or fifties or sixties, you know, just that, that little bit. And at least I'll speak for myself in that, in that regard. And I've done many things and I've had to work for them, but I can still see in myself that it's like, why hasn't this happened for me yet? You know, it's like, well, Maybe, buddy, you got to keep working for it, you know, because you haven't earned it yet, for, ex- for yeah. example, you know. And, yeah, so I, I relate to you on that. I relate to you on that one. But I also understand that that impatience to kind of getting to the end point, you know. Yeah, for sure. It's so easy done as well because, you know, we talked about it a little bit already, but I fundamentally believe we're all very different and we're all here for our own journey um, as much as we are here for each other's journey. Mm. But like you see someone and now we talk about, you know, social media, it talks talk about a lot. You see someone on social media and that you're like, hey, we're relatively, mm. we're not too different. We're not too dissimilar. And they're, you know, we were talking about something earlier and like the, the phrase, can't have your cake and eat it. And it's like, you know, that person might not have their cake and eat it, but some people seem to, and you're just like, well, hang on, why can't I? And yeah, there's a lot of that that goes on that's, that, you know, can, can mess with you, I think a little bit. Yeah. Do you listen to, um, Chris Williamson? Is it Williamson? I do. Williamson? I think his handle's Chris Wilkes. Yeah. I, yeah, I, um, he's really, yeah, he's really, uh, I'm, I, really like listening to his stuff. I think it's very thoughtful. It was really cool to see him on Rogan as well, because I followed him for a while and, mm. you know, it kind of felt like, uh, you know, someone from England kind of who did what Joe did kind oh, of got to that platform. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit. I, it was kind of, it was just nice to see that, that, you know, he, his, his effort had mm. enabled him to get to kind of where he, he wanted to get to. Like, I think he was always quite honest about wanting to be like the Joe Rogan of Britain and to kind of see him kind of get that was really, was, was cool. Yeah. He, um, he shares a, uh, a weekly Monday, like Monday three, mm. three, three minutes thing. Right. And it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. And one of the, one of the things that he pulled out was about, um, comparing why comparing yourself to other people doesn't, doesn't work because yeah. you have to take the whole picture not just yeah, what you see. So it's like, oh, you know, so-and-so with her. And and Peterson talks about this as well. He gives the example of, you know, he sees a, you see a um, person driving around 
uh, in a Ferrari with a hot blonde in the car and whatever. And you don't realize that what you don't realize is that the, the car's on finance, the girl is an escort, he's got a coke habit and his family marriage is broken down. He's sleeping in a hotel, you know, but you yeah. see drive, drive past in the car and you're like, oh, that guy's got it all. He's like, he's got fucking nothing. You know, yeah. and you you don't know what's what, what's going on behind closed doors. This facade that we see on social media it's it's really fucking dangerous. You know, it's really yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and it's 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 easily done. I mean, I, I if if people listening haven't kind of listened to Chris talk about that, he talks about it on his podcast, and he talks about it on that Rogan episode, and he uses some really nice phraseology. I thought like around comparing yourself isn't like. I like their sneakers or I like their shoes. It's actually, you've got to take the whole suit or the whole outfit, like whatever they're wearing, you have to take all of it, good and bad. And I really like that. And he talks about Tiger as an example, Tiger Woods, um, which is, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, so I definitely encourage people to go listen to that because uh, I don't want to just one rip him off and two. Yeah. yeah. He, he'll do a much better job of it than yeah. I will. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about and kind of like a segue from where we are now, we talk, we, we've kind of talked a little bit about it together. And I think, uh, you know, you were, you were doing some meditation, um, calls as well, which was really cool that I jumped on a few, this idea of working in, um, like I was kind of, I think Paul check was probably the first person I got exposed to what the concept of working in. He talked about like every human being can work out. And, you know, it's true. If you, if, if I always say, it, I think I can give anyone the board marker and they can go write a pretty gnarly workout on the whiteboard and we'd all do it and be like, well, that smoked us all. But, um, the, you know, some of the artistry is about how like you can balance that. And I think in life where everything we do is an output, even, even, you know, go for a walk and I listen to a podcast. I'm still, I'm still, I'm still tuned in. Mm-hmm. So do you want to talk to a bit to, and maybe we can connect it to kind of what we've already been talking about as well? Cause I think, I think yeah. they maybe go hand in hand a little bit. Yeah. A hundred percent. I don't think I started to realize that. No, I think CrossFit helped me pick up on that about what that what exercise was serving for me. Um, like as a kid, um, you know, I I don't know if my I don't know if it was a thing when we were. I think we were about the same age, right? I just turned thirty nine. I was going to wish you happy right, birthday. Wow, You're yeah, turned thirty nine <laughs> two days ago. Thanks, yeah. buddy. Congrats. Um, that's why we speak together so well, mate. Libras. Um, yeah, 100%. Which is, which is another thing that um, I saw in Chris's weekly thing that there's, they've you know done pretty in-depth stuff. I think it was like thousands of people that they'd study and there's zero correlation between relationship uh, success and star sign. <laughs> really? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. That's not what the internet and, and certainly no. uh, Instagram will, will lead you to believe. Exactly. I, I fall into some of that stuff now and again. I'm like, I'm a deep romantic at heart in a lot of ways. And like yeah. the idea of like the stars align, all this yeah. kind of stuff. <laughs> doesn't matter how much I like change my programming. I'm still like, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Interesting. So, uh, yeah. So yeah, I got chucked into a sport left, right and center to, to, uh, expel my energy. Right. So Ditto. yeah, like, I don't know if they would have, um, been as on top of, uh, diagnosing or at least as, um, frivolous at diagnosing ADHD as they are now. Um, but you know, may definitely would have fallen under that 
umbrella. Um, mm. So it obviously served a pur- serves a purpose, and and I've got my own opinions on that on that stuff anyway about it being a bit too um, the diagnosis getting thrown out a little bit too easily. Um, yeah, same. So. What I what I I guess I realized is that it gave me a it gave me a focus and my my level of exercise needed to get more and more intense. So obviously I started off pretty young because I joined the Royal Marines at sixteen. So I was you know um, training for training when I was doing my GCSEs, like running around the block with a bag full of bricks and stuff like that before school. Whoa. Um, and just, yeah, just training as much as I could, you know, and there was, cause that was what I wanted to do. Um, and then when I found, when I found CrossFit, I was so angry when I started off, like I would lose my shit a lot. Um, because I was so pissed off that a workout could, could basically make me hurt. Mm-hmm. And then I found that I kind of had to go, go through this process where I needed to find peace and and one of my first mentors, uh, Colin Menace, over at CrossFit London, he he was the first person that I heard this from. Although it's not a you know it's not from him, but you know um, get comfortable being uncomfortable, you know. And that was like whoa, yeah, you know. And bearing in mind, this is after I've left the military. This is the first time I've yeah. heard this, you know. And it's then and it's early it's early on. doors as well. Because like you say, it's pretty common now. Like you, you, you'll have at least heard one CrossFit coach in a CrossFit gym say that at some point. Yeah. Like yeah. Now it's it's pretty ubiquitous with with what we do. Probably even hear it on the broadcast when you're watching the games or a or, or another event. For sure. Back then, like you know, you've been doing CrossFit a long time, and it's funny because I talk to people like I I've been doing it quite a while now, which seems odd to me because you know people like you had been doing it longer, and I'd learned a lot about it from from you. But I, I work with people that've been doing it, you know two or three years and I'm like, it's a different, it's a, you know, it's cool. It's different in some ways, but it's a different beast. And actually, like you say, some of that stuff is like when, when that stuff was about, it was like kind of game check. Like you hadn't ever heard that something mm-hmm. like that before. It was very yeah. early doors. Yeah. And something that Greg Armandson, one of the OGs used to say was like, you know, the, the greatest adaptation in CrossFit happens between years. Mm-hmm. And that was like, yep. I hear you. Because it's it's finding peace when you're hurting, and then being like, okay, that that idea of threshold training and being your own coach and being like, all right, let's let's try and go a little faster here, or let's try and not to not to break the set, or let's try and put a little, a little bit of weight on the bar whilst holding your ego in check. You know what I mean? This is a real fine balance and. If you're, if you're conscientious enough, you understand that you're going, you're, you're, you're living that experience in the first person. And I've, in my, my undergrad and in my, um, masters, I did two, two studies on CrossFit and mental health because it fascinates me. Um, and because what I, what I believe is that no matter if people understand what's happening consciously or unconsciously, it's happening. Mm. The fact that they're, they're learning about themselves as they're doing something physically hard. And when I did my yoga teacher training, uh, another thing that kind of tied into this was their idea of, so we start off at the physical, like this is from the old kind of scriptures, they start off at the physical level. And so that would be the asana. That's just what we would know as yoga. 
right? Doing, okay. doing the physical stuff because it is, it's tangible, right? It gets our attention. Once you start, once your heart rate goes up a little bit, you know, and that's why um, ice baths and, uh, you know, saunas and stuff like that are becoming more and more popular because it's a, it's a, a way that you can tap into that physical body without actually putting effort in. The only effort you've got to put in is by staying in the sauna when you want to get out. Yeah. It's by staying in the tub when you want to get out or even getting in the cold water. That's the only effort you need to do. You don't need to keep physically exerting yourself as you would do in a workout, right? So we've got this physical level first. And the way that I kind of describe this is that cat, that's enough to capture our attention. You know, if you, if someone gives you a dead arm or pinches your arm, like it's enough to get your attention because it's that physical level. And so once you've got their attention, then you're in the mental space. You have their attention, right? Mm. That's when, that's when we start to work into, um, sorry, I butchered that. Before that point, you've got physical. And then when, ice bathing or even in a sauna, definitely when you're working out, your respiration starts going up, your heart rate starts going up. So that's what they call like the energetic, the energetic level, right? And then when, and this is where it ties in with the mental space because we know that we can control our psychology through controlling our physiology. And we can control our physiology by controlling our psychology. It's, it's interrelated, right? So that's yeah. why ice bars and saunas are, you know, a great way to get us into a better mental space because we get that physical, right? You're here, your, your breathing changes, your heart rate changes, and then it gets you, it puts you into a more concentrated state where you've got your attention is on your breathing. Yeah. And you, and you bring it into that space. And I think that, that's where I've, I've, I've taught yoga at a few CrossFit gyms and I, and I really believe that that, that is a beautiful way of rounding it out because I think CrossFit does a, an amazing job of, of doing those kind of first two. And then it has a different kind of component, I guess, where it has the community aspect, which provides that, um, that relatedness, which is another basic psychological need of humans. Yeah. It provides that, um, that community. But the, the only thing with that is, is if the community comes in without having the opportunity to, um, work in with the mental aspect, which would be, all right, now music goes off. Now I just want you to do 10 breaths. Yeah. Just be with yourself for 10 breaths. You know, for most CrossFitters, like that's, they, they haven't got the patience to do that. And it's like, dude, I'm asking for 30 seconds of your attention on yourself, just on yourself. That's it. And it's just like when they do that, when I've had them in yoga classes, where when get out of Shavasana, it's just so relaxed and just like, oh, wow, that was amazing. You're like, Great. I'll see you next week. You know, yeah, hundred percent. See the benefit. It's some. It's obviously something that is absent from your your practice, from your training practice. It's just one thing that we need. We need to be in, be able to be in our own space. And I think that's one of the first steps to working in. So by training and doing things like CrossFit, you're doing something so intense that can't help but capture that physical body. You're breathing hard, 
you're in your head because you're like, right, you know, I want to get through this. And so you have to find the piece. So you're, you're already in that mental space. And then it's like, right, can you get into that mental space without the physical, you know? And that's when it's like going on Vipassana, doing 10 day retreats and stuff like that. It's the, it's the, it's the, it's the closest thing you can get to doing a CrossFit workout without moving your body. Yeah. Cause you're the workouts happening in your mind. You've got no, there's no distraction. It's 10 hours a day for 10 days. And you've got to wow. just watch your breath or survey your body up and down. Your mind's doing backflips and it's yeah, love again to do that mental process, you know, of, of trying to manage that out. So working in is, it's, it's necessary. It's as necessary as, as working out for sure. What, why do you think it's so necessary? Like, again, I've kind of got my views and I've done various stuff. Like I haven't, I haven't gone to kind of like 10 hours, 10 days, like, but lockdown, you know, for me ended up being kind of quite isolatory, ended up staying with my dad and, and doing a lot of meditation and a lot of like solo walks and, and, and a lot of that kind of stuff, which, which enabled me to work more into that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I also played around with fasting, which is really interesting, not because of, I actually found it more interesting on as a social experiment than, than the experiment I was doing on myself, because so many people would be like, I couldn't do that. It's mad that you're doing that. That's so hard and so extreme. And I'm like, I didn't do anything. Like I literally, the, 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 what I did was nothing. Um, whereas, you know, sorry, restraint. Yeah. But it was, it was really interesting to me because I see a lot of, I I get exposed to a lot of people that do like big challenges, you know, the marathon was just recently and that's a lot you're doing. You're doing a lot. That is a a challenging endeavor. Um, but a lot of people would be like, I'd rather do that than, than not eat for, for, you know, three, four, five days. You're like, wow. Okay. That's an interest. Like it was just very interesting to me that that was the psychological kind of like place that they went. 100%. 100%. I've got a, uh, like that, the, the fasting as well, I think speaks into that physical, energetic, mental. That's another, and it's like you said, it's, it's interesting how it is really interesting how people would rather do something, even if it's miserable and monotonous, than do nothing, than do nothing or mm. have to find some self-discipline or um, some control in their own space. I'll give you an example. So I've done a few jobs since I've moved over to Australia as, uh, you know, an immigrant. Um, so I've, you know, done the construction stuff and there was this one day and I'll, I'll know, <laughs> I'll, I'll send this episode off to Dave, my old boss. There was one day where a bunch of bricks got taken up from this driveway and he wanted to keep the bricks and I'd been working for him for a few months and it was like, I don't know if it was summer, but it was hot. And I, I had my, my big hat on and he gave me this machete and said, right, I want all of the, the muck, all the mud, like the, 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 uh, that connects all the bricks together off these bricks. Cause I'm going to resell them. <laughs> so okay. literally there would have been, I don't know, maybe a thousand bricks on this pallet. Wow. And I'm there for, I think two days with a machete, with a machete. (laughs) And I just get in like this, this rhythm of like brick up, like couple of, couple of knocks, put it on the other stack. And this was like 30 degrees 
all day and I'm sitting down, you know, I could be in Bali, you know what I mean? I could be in Vietnam, whatever, like, like those guys slave in a way that they do for their whole lives. Yeah. And I found like immense peace in being that to the point where I would rather have done that than go to another job where I don't know what I'm doing. And I have to try and, I have to try and, uh, make it look like I'm busy. I would have rather mm. sat down in a squat for two days straight in the sun, knocking muck off bricks with a machete and my hands getting blistered than, than doing that. And that just, that, and it happened multiple times doing, doing jobs like that over the years, rather do no, I know what you, exactly do what you mean marathon than fast, than do nothing yeah. but fast because that requires other stuff. Your mind is fully occupied. You know, you're being busy. Really interesting concept. Yeah. Yeah. I've fully, I've had a very similar experience. I, uh, during lockdown kind of lost, lost, lost my job and ended up going and working with, um, a buddy of mine who was a fencer at the time. It was like pretty much all you could do. So I was like, to be honest, it wasn't even just, it wasn't to make money, even though obviously that was useful. It was just to go and do something. Yeah. And, um, like I was just like, I can't just read books, go for walks, meditate, like I've been doing, I, that's all I've been doing. Mm. Um, I need, I need a stimulus, uh, but it was like, it was really peaceful. We just get out there digging holes, digging up bushes, putting fence posts in like, kind of like, it was just nice to be in like a rhythm, but I so really, that kind of struck a chord in me. Absolutely. Yeah. Like yeah. it's, it's so interesting. And, and to speak to something you said uh, earlier on, you know, there is, you don't need to go out and do these crazy meditation and mindfulness stuff to count as, working in right you you asked um so why is it so important to do the working in and mm. and i and i i think it's to regularly connect with yourself um like not not in the general sense of yourself myself yourself but yourself your deepest self like in quiet space and just ha- being allowed to have the opportunity for stuff to come up, go for a walk around the forest for you know half an hour, an hour without listening to stuff, without podcasts, without music, and just see what comes up. Because what's coming up there is like the the concept in in meditation and, and Buddhism is like um, sieving the pan like of gold, right? When you when you're trying to find gold, it's like you you're constantly working it and you're purifying. Mm. purifying. So every time that you you lose your concentration on your breath, every time your mind wanders when you're out for a walk, you're getting closer and closer and closer to the truth. You're getting closer and closer to your to the the voice inside at the deepest deepest point. Um, we've got so much input nowadays. You know whether it's podcasts, audiobook, music, news, everything. It's just constant, and maybe that's why you know going back to the people of older generations, why they're so much more patient and why they can sit and have a chat or, you know, in passing for 15, 20 minutes, they're not in a rush to get anywhere because they, they had a different, um, they had a different lifestyle for those formative years mm. that, that calmed things down. It, it, they didn't, they weren't, they didn't have so much input. They got to choose, you know, and you had to work for it. You had to put the effort into reading a book front to back with your own eyes, you know? Um, so I think, I think the ease of, uh, the ease of information and the amount of information is 
detrimental on people's relationship to their selves. Yeah, 100%. And I think that concept is is quite new to a lot of people, like relationship to self um, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, you, you talk to some people about it and they just they don't really understand what you mean. Have you, like, let's, I, I think probably most people that will, will listen to this are either going to be working in, like, you know, a corporate setting or and, and perhaps do a bit of fitness or are really hardcore into their CrossFit or um, those kind of people are certainly the people that I connect with and, and are in my groups and that I imagine will listen to this. What kind of, what kind of things, because, you know, if Avenue hasn't got a sense of this, Tom's done quite a lot of stuff, you know, being in the Marines early. And if we get, have a bit of time, I'd like to maybe talk about that if you're open to it. But because it's something that, you know, I've dealt, struggled a lot with, you know, depression and anxiety and all sorts of stuff. And I didn't, you know, I haven't had that kind of level. So it's, it's very different to me in that regard. But what are the, some of the things that you'd maybe suggest to people if they're like, I don't I kind of, I kind of get what they're saying, but I don't really understand what working in is or, Hey, look, I go to the gym or I go for a run. And that's my, like, like, that's where I think. And, you know, like, you know, you've talked about it. You, you're doing a hard CrossFit world. You're doing a 20 minute world and you're just alone with your thoughts. And, and they're like, that's my working in. I'm, I'm doing it. What, what would you maybe, what would like, are there any takeouts and also kind of for those people, yeah, some, some things to consider when we're talking about like actually meditation. And, and I think that comes in a lot meditation sounds complex to a lot of people they're like i can't turn my brain off and i try and reinforce some of the things i've heard from from my experience and from the people i've i've listened to is like meditation isn't about turning anything off it's about connecting with what's going on yeah yeah i'd say that they're they're already in the first step if you're if you're if you're in a gym like a crossfit gym you're you're already in in a place where you're you've been humble enough to join in with something, uh, you know, this could be any, it doesn't need to be CrossFit, it could be, you know, um, jujitsu, it could be any kind of where you, where you have to be humbled, you know, like you, you are new to this and it's going to hurt. You're, you're going to suck at it. You need to be okay with that sort of thing. I think just, why do you think that's important? Sorry, so what's that's that's important? Why do you think that's important? What humility yeah, like having to be humbled before anything like it. I th- why is it important? I think because life's hard, right? If we walk around mm-hmm. with this false bravado, or as 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 Chris um, Wilkinson talks about, like the the difference between confidence and competence, right? If you walk around with this false sense of com- uh, competence with this confidence, then when a task presents itself that calls upon your competence and you're incompetent, then what's going to happen to your confidence? Mm. Then plummet, right? So if we're humble in turning up for things and take on a beginner's mind, we're affording ourselves to go up from there, you know? Um, and, and I think also give ourselves room for um, a, a lowering of expectations, you know, especially people in the CrossFit space, a lot of type A personalities that's, you know, the, um, you know, CrossFit's not cheap. They're probably in, in higher paying jobs. They've had to work to get there. They're probably educated and they've probably got a, a, a sense of hard work, right? Working hard for whatever they're doing and 
have an expectation on their self. And I think when we come into an environment like this from a place of humility, it just, it, it, it sets us up for success, right? I've seen so many, you know, I've, I think I've worked at 21 gym, CrossFit gyms. Wow. Yeah. And I've seen the patterns over and over of the honeymoon period up to two years and how people were just, and I, I had a girl a few months ago, um, she really wants to get to the games, right? She's realistically maybe five, three to five years away, especially nowadays. Um, and I said to her, you know, just she was getting frustrated and she was known for cheating reps and stuff like that. And okay. Before I was coaching this session and we were doing um, double kettlebell lunges and I could see she was getting upset. And I said to her, just take a breath. Like, it's hard. Like, let it be hard. And yeah. she just went, boom. It was like that just someone had given her, like, it's not, I'm not giving you a way out. Permission almost. Yeah. I'm not giving you a way out. I'm just giving you permission to feel what you're feeling and yeah. validating the fact that, yeah, you're struggling and that's okay. Just try and keep chipping away, whether it's one or two, whatever. You don't need to finish this workout in 10 minutes, like the fittest person in the gym, you know, just do your best, you know, as you, yeah. as you go through there. And I think that's where we make, and that's where that kind of that dynamic in CrossFit with the community is different because it, it helps people to, to kind of, yeah, like know themselves better, whether they know it or not consciously or unconsciously, they're getting to know themselves better by how they conduct themselves in adverse situations like that's when you get to really know someone's character right like when they're yeah when they bounce up the wall and and then where they have to you know call upon uh call upon their self to do that that's why i've always come back to crossfit like in terms of a coaching position and i, I will always coach it doesn't matter what else happens in my life like i'll always do that at some point because i think well, and I love the fact that I get to pass on some of the stuff that was passed down to me. Like, I think that's like a paying forward aspect of, of it that, that, that I really engage with, but also for that, that sentiment of like, like that, that being off, I'm authenticity. And I know this, that I almost don't like using that word because it kind of gets, I think, mis misrepresented, misrepresented a little bit. Like people overuse it and, and use it maybe when it doesn't need to be used, but I think authenticity is kind of at the core of me. And I think that one of the things that you can say a lot about CrossFit when you really get into it and get to the roots of it and take away kind of some of the shiny stuff that's come along with it now is like, it's a place for authenticity. You find out real quick, if you go to a, like a good box with great coaching and, and you've got a good community, you find out really quick who you are and who other people are and, and who the real people are as well. Yeah. And that speaks to, that speaks very well into that idea of self, right? Because to be authentically yourself, Mm. how do you know how do you know how to be authentic if you don't if you haven't built a relationship with yourself and know who know who you are to to then uh, express this authentic you you know you yeah which actually is something you what you think is authentic you but if you're still scratching around trying to find who you are you're you're displaying you at minute one <laughs> and then mm. next year you'll be a different you do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And I was just going to say like something I've actually struggled with because I'm, I, I tend to be quite influenced by the people around me. Like I know we all are, but I, something that I found I've learned about myself is that 
someone makes a really compelling argument about something, I'm like, that sounds good. I'm going to adopt that as my yeah. thinking and I'm going to tell that to the world. Like, and I, and, and I also can, you know, I've changed my hair loads of times. Like I changed what I wear. Like I'm quite fluid in terms of like how I present myself to the world as well. So some people could say that I was inauthentic, but actually I've, I've learned that that is me being my authentic self is the fact that, Hey, I'm my taste in music changes. And like, you know, I've been in, I like so many different things in music. Cause I have to, I like different, I like lots of different things. Like part of the reason I got attracted to CrossFit because it's not the same thing over and over again. Like, Hey, actually I fancy doing a bit of strongman. I'm going to slightly change my training. So it's a bit more strongman focus. Actually, I fancy a bit more mobility or a bit more of this. Mm. And I can always jump in, chop and change, but it's still in the guise of CrossFit. It still can be all kind of like the same thing. Yeah. Uh, Cause I think that it can become quite, we, we can almost create like chambers or prisons for ourselves where we're like, Oh, to be authentic. I can't, I can't change my mind. And I've seen that a lot like now where we, we, you know, with social media, Twitter's a great example. You say something on there and it's like, that is you defined for however long people decide Jordan Peterson's become a product to that. I would, I would maybe suggest that this is who he is. He's only this guy. He can only be that guy. And I either like him or dislike him now because of that. Yeah. Yeah. There's that identity piece, right? Like that's, that's you and you've got to, you know, you stick to it. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, it, I find it interesting, especially for someone like you who's done so many different things. I mean, obviously there's a, there's a core mm. uh, from again, uh, sorry, I don't want to say, obviously this is my interpretation yeah. that I think there's a core of kind of like, well, the, the reason you get drawn to these sorts of things, but you know, CrossFit coach in 26 different gyms, yoga instructor, you're working, you know, in psychology now and, and like doing all of these different, different roles. You were a Marine as well. Like so many different things that you, you could define yourself as, but you kind of decided to explore. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose for myself, I think it's just been a bit of a journey of, um, it's funny. It's like, it's kind of that, that process really. Like it was the most intense thing I could find. Um, and then it got more, more and more subtle, I guess, okay. as it goes on, because my understanding of what I was actually taken away from it was, was something else than I went in for, you know, I took away from CrossFit that this stuff that was going on in my head, I'm like, Oh, okay. Right. So we'll take that and we'll start doing yoga. And can I, can I access that bit? So that would be my, uh, from what we were talking about before with, you know, uh, guys from, uh, that are in CrossFit, how can they work more in? It's like, yeah, going from there and okay, can you, can you be in a less intense environment? but still have that same level of mindfulness because that's essentially what you're doing in CrossFit is mindfulness as you're moving. If you're focusing on your points of performance, you're focusing on your reps, you're being present in that moment, right? It's an act of mindfulness. You're not somewhere else. You're present in that moment, but you require something so intense for you to bring that to bring you to that present moment. So can you mm. have a, a, a more subtler, uh, thing to interact with in, in an environment that's quieter essentially and still be mindful and then can you take the body out and just sit then can you just sit in meditation and be mindful like the, that's that kind of separateness there of loads of movement less movement subtler movement no movement and and then be with the be with the mind you know um, yeah i really like that as a progression yeah and it's and it's a and it's one that takes as long as it takes, right? 
like uh, I, th- I think going from here, going from CrossFit to right now sitting meditation, for some people that's not a re- not a realistic um, time frame. And and like you said, they people would say, oh, I can't do that, or it doesn't work for me. I'm like, hmm. Whenever I whenever I hear that, I'm like, okay. And there's this little cartoon of um, uh, like a old like kind of Buddhist cartoon of um, I. Uh, I don't have time to meditate for an hour. And then the other guy's like, you should probably meditate for three hours. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I don't really, I don't really get much out of meditation. You should probably meditate. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, and it's not for everyone, but what I, what, what I've um, seen with people that I've taught over the years is like, they're not ready for it. There's, there's when they, then when they sit in meditation, expect to kind of, have this blissful experience of nothingness. It's just like uh, boredom. All right, there's this, that, 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 you know, all this, and they're just thinking that whole time. And there's there's very little space of nothingness or, or present mm-hmm. moment awareness because there's so much noise going on. And that's and I and I believe that that's because they've just jumped to the to this point too quick, and they haven't taken the time to go into the energetic body and 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 learn how to work with the breath or have the have the breath worked for them like when you get in an ice bath it's like <gasps> you know that's like that's the that's the breath like taken over and it's got your got your attention and then you can do it yeah. to, and that's what the core thing about the breath right is it's equally conscious and unconscious you can you can do that yourself but you can also have something do it for you and that's i think that's a really nice bridge to that point. So I think breathwork or the popularity of breathwork is, is really do, serving a really good purpose for those people that either haven't got time to sit and meditate or they're not at that level of mindfulness to sit and meditate. You know, doing some breathwork practices, I think, is a, is a really nice bridge between the physical and just sitting in formal meditation. Yeah, I really agree. Like, like for me, the gateway was going for a walk and just being mindful of my breath. Um, like go for a walk and just breathe and breathing through the nose, try different breathing patterns. Like, and you can do it for, you don't even have to do it for the whole walk. You can just do it for the first like five minutes, right? First five minutes or first two minutes. I'm just going to breathe and just like you say, build. And I think again, CrossFit is a really good um, uh, teacher for that in the sense that it's like, we have scaling options. You start, you don't start like, you know, RX 60 kilo bar, whatever it is, you you work up to it, you you, you build and, and you can do that. And then that is the lesson you can then apply to, kind of whatever you want to do with your physiology. And the other thing that sprung to mind actually when you were just set talking then was the, 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 this saying of like, when the student's ready, the master appears. Mm. Um, and I always, when I, there was a bit long time where I was like, right, okay. Uh, and we, we've both shared a bit, I think on Joseph's camp, Joseph Campbell stuff um, over the years, but like um, just being like, no stress, um, just being like, Joseph Campbell, Hero's Journey, I'm waiting for this mentor to show up to teach me stuff. And actually, I think that side of things was um, sometimes just in life when I was ready, actually the teacher was breathing or the teacher was CrossFit or the teacher was this thing that came into my life that changed it. Yeah, I know you're. I know you have to go, dude. So um, thank you so much for, for this time. Is there anything kind of lastly that's on top of your mind that you want to quickly share? Um. No, I think that, I think kind of, yeah, just that, um, 
what I spoke to about that last that last kind of section of you know this affording ourselves breathing space in terms of expectation, you know, especially now in the you know most of your your audiences from the CrossFit community, you know, CrossFit has evolved so much in such a short period of time, yeah. you know, and it was not the beast that it 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 is now, you know. Uh, it was a little, it was a thing that weirdos did in in uh, little garages and and uh, under railway arches um, where they could afford space, you know, because it wasn't affluent yeah. at all. Um, is just kind of knowing that what we see at the CrossFit Games is is the one per, like one percent. I think it's even less than that of of the community, right? That's like comparing yourself to a Premiership uh, football team when you're just having a kick around with the with the lads on a Sunday afternoon in the park. You know, it's yeah. like, it's not it's it's not comparable. So just kind of removing ourselves from that expectation almost immediately you know and that's not to say that if you've got aspirations and dreams to give it a go give it a red hot crack but for for most of us we kind of and that's why the open's really good because it gives people that it humbles people in that first year of doing crossfit right you get that first year and you're like every year mate every year i do it i'm like especially the first year when you think oh i'm pretty i'm a pretty fit guy and yeah yeah, and you're you know twenty thousand twenty thousandths and something in your region (laughs) you know yeah um so in your region and age group (laughs) yeah just kind of giving ourselves that permission to start where we're at and move forwards from there as we talk about on the on the level one as our psychological and physiological tolerance dictates you know life gets in the way so you go on holiday for a couple of weeks don't beat yourself up about not getting a PB the week you get back. Of course, that's not going to happen. You're going to take a step back, you know, and just kind of just meeting yourself where you're at and giving you giving yourself permission to, um, you can still push yourself, obviously, and that's the balance. You talked about that earlier, you know, um, uh, oh, I've got this idea and then I'm and this and that, you know, that that is the balance. That's that's the Tao, right? We, we, mm. we want both. We need to be able to be compassionate at the same time as being um, uh, uh, determined or dedicated and committed to something, like we need both of the we need both of those things. So I think that would be the kind of final I guess, w- word that I would have to say on that to your your audience and community. Immense man, thank you very much. Sorry, uh, we slightly run over, but also mm-hmm. I'm sure we could talk for hours on this kind of stuff. <laughs> loads loads yeah. of stuff we probably haven't yeah. even got into. But um, thanks so much for your time, man. I hope everyone listening has found this really useful. And I'll put all the Tom's socials and stuff if you want to go follow him um, on Instagram and stuff in, in the comments. So you can kind of see, and I'll put some of the links to Jordan Peterson and some of the other stuff we talked about just so that people can find it more easily. But thanks, Tom. Really appreciate it. It was awesome to chat to you, Jarzy. And uh, hopefully, well, we will keep in touch for sure.